I have zero memory of that happening. <laughs> Looking up the video on YouTube and just being like, nope, still not ringing any bells. So. Hello and welcome to List Envy, the podcast in which every week I collaborate with a guest and together we build a top five list on a topic that they choose. My name is Mark Stenman and this week's guest is an American gentleman by the name of Mike McComb. Mike is the co-host of a podcast called the Euro What Podcast, which is all about discovering and um, understanding and consuming the Eurovision Song Contest from the perspective of two Americans. And... um, if you are unfamiliar with uh, the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, it is a, a thing that happens every year in a different European city, depending on who won the previous contest. Uh, and it's 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 happened since, you know, God was in nappies. And um, it's camp, it's silly, it's multicultural, uh, often multilingual, uh, and sometimes controversial in terms of um, how things are hosted and who uh, votes for which country. Uh, there's a judge's vote and then there's um, a public vote as well. And um, we... So Mike uh, came to me and said, I want to talk about Eurovision finals. And uh, and so that's the list that we started building. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll be back with you a little bit later in the episode. This is a really fun one, especially if you've got any kind of interest uh, in, in the Eurovision uh, Sound Contest. Um, and uh, so, yes, I began by asking Mike what Eurovision meant to him. I, it's everything. No. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yes, it, it's just this celebration of pop culture i I think that's at least what i respond to most uh when watching the contest um i i I was vaguely aware of eurovision uh i I think the first time that i encountered it was sometime in like 2007 ish uh just seeing a random item on like yahoo news or something like that uh mentioning that uh, uh this country won uh, the international music competition. It's like, oh, well, that's neat. Just like this random <laughs> item on a Saturday. Uh, and when I was in my graduate program uh, in television, radio, and film uh, back in 2010, uh, I uh, stumbled upon a blog post uh, that was uh, a write-up on the uh, documentary Sounds Like Teen Spirit, uh, which is about the Junior Eurovision Song Contest. Okay. Yeah. And uh, in... Uh, in that post, it included a video of Ukraine's uh, performance in, and I think that was also the 2007 uh, edition uh, that was right. being highlighted. And um, yeah, it was so different from anything that I'd really seen on American television. Like, it, uh, I mean, like we have American Idol and uh, like all of the singing competitions, but the production values are pretty basic compared to like x factor or uh the voice or um yeah it's, it's just pretty much like people standing on stage singing rather than they're just being like pyrotechnics and flashing lights and all sorts of uh interesting things so mm. um yeah just watching that and just being like oh and and then youtube being youtube is just like here's another ukraine video it's like okay <laughs> and yeah if you're gonna fall down a eurovision youtube rabbit hole uh, ukraine is a good one to fall down so <laughs> nice um so what how, how do you how are you watching uh so obviously you've got youtube mm-hmm. um but like for, for this year how did you how did you watch it uh for this year's contest how did we end up watching it um oh it was uh through sweden's broadcaster uh svt ah. yeah uh it, it doesn't uh require any sort of vpn or um 
dark web hijinks or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, we were just able to watch it through uh, through that. And th- that's typically how we've watched it the last uh, three or four years. I mean, it's it's a really high quality feed and um, mm-hmm. they're not particularly chatty in their commentary. So it, it's. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and then before that, um it was uh, either streamed through the Eurovision website, and for one or two years there, it was on YouTube without uh, geo blocking. Oh, so is it because I, I watched? Because um, I sadly missed uh, twenty nineteen this year. Um, I was uh, I was off doing a thing, and so I, I rewatched it, and I did that on the YouTube channel. Uh, but is that not available because you're outside of Europe? Uh, correct. Yeah. Um, oh wow. Well, that's yeah. Yeah, in 2016, uh, Logo uh, a Cable Network here in the States uh, had uh, acquired the rights uh, to air Eurovision. And uh, that was when the geoblock uh, happened on YouTube. So it was just like you either watch it on Logo, you find an international stream, or you're just kind of out of luck. And um, yeah, so we, we opted for the international stream. And then uh, we were actually at, uh, my husband and I were uh, at the 2017 and 2018 contest. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I, um, we'll, we'll get into this. I'm, I'm a fan of Sweden's approach to Eurovision. Um, I think that mm. they're, they're good, but how, are you aware of, see, I don't know how important this is to some. I know it is to some. Um, how aware are you of the BBC's coverage of Eurovision? Um, I mean, uh, I'm not overly familiar with, uh, Terry Wogan's tenure. Like, sure. uh, yeah, he, he finished, uh, shortly before I started following the contest. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I- I'm familiar with Graham Norton's work outside of Eurovision, but uh, yeah, I mean, my familiarity with the BBC's just general approach to Eurovision is, um, <laughs> it's pretty dismal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, just that the acts selected are kind of subpar or just not, not what you would expect from like the British music industry. And uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but uh, the, the, I think for for many of us, um, the it, it's Eurovision is or the commentary is so much a part of what Eurovision is for us now. Mm. Um, there is a tradition. So you, you mentioned uh, Terry Wogan. Um, he sort of helped give birth to a tradition that um, certain Brits now uh, partake in when they're watching the the grand final. And um, it comes from a piece of advice that Terry Wogan gave to Graham Norton uh, when he took over the job, um, obviously before uh, before Terry died. And he said to, to Graham, listen, um, good luck, you know, do, doing the show and stuff. You, you'll be great. Don't start drinking till around song nine. <laughs> and so... Now he's taken that advice to heart because Terry Terry liked to drink, um, and and you could usually hear that uh, certainly towards the end of the broadcast um, that Terry did enjoy a little drink. And um, I don't know what what Graham um, Graham's thing is, but what he does at song nine now is. Um, he encourages everybody, like people tweet in and, and, and say, you know, they're, they're raising a glass to Terry Wogan and stuff. And he, he sort of, he encourages everyone to do that. And it's just this really lovely little tradition um, that, that's come of it. But um, yeah, so I think for many of us, the the snarky um, uh, sort of eyebrow raised, um, very camp coverage of Eurovision is is absolutely a part of the experience for us. And it's a shame when you miss that. Uh, here in the States, it's, 
like we just don't have any sort of tradition because nobody watches this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, like I, uh, I've hosted a couple of Eurovision uh, watch parties here, and most of the time is spent just trying to explain what on <laughs> earth is going on, and particularly once the voting starts and there's just numbers flying all over the screen, like. It's just kind of sensory overload at that point. Yep. Very slow sensory overload. Yeah. Yeah. Satellite like, delayed. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like, what is happening? It's really important. It's all going to change as soon as the public vote comes in. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, what? There's another vote? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There's another half hour of this. Um, so... Do, do you think do you think um, America should enter? Because obviously Australia's now in. Israel's been in for a long time, and Israel's not in Europe. Um, do you think America should enter the Eurovision Song Contest? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> well, no. I mean, it, it's just like uh, let people have their own thing. Uh, yeah. It's part of it where it's just like sure. I, I, could, I could see America just like trying to like muscle its way in and just being like, oh, we have to win <laughs> this thing, and um, it's like no, that's just not interested and one of the things that draws me to eurovision is just the sense of oh there's other stuff happening in pop music and mm. this is a way to discover that and um yeah and if america was part of that process like i, I think it would just kind of drown out everything else and it just kind of make it less interesting um yeah, this year it was announced that they're trying to develop an American song contest that would kind of take its beats from Eurovision. And I'm not all that enthusiastic about it, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. I think, I, yeah, I think the, the problem there is there isn't enough cultural difference between uh, the states. Obviously, there is cultural difference um, uh, between the states, but it's it, it's mad what there is in Europe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's it's yeah. yeah it's crazy um, yeah because yeah, you don't have the like language differences mm. the historical tensions I mean there's mm -hmm. not like a long rivalry between like South Dakota and Utah at least not that I'm aware of <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> um, yeah you're not going to have like families split apart by how they're voting for like which state <laughs> I I don't know so. <laughs> We are talking Eurovision uh, Grand Finals from, from 2010 onwards. What is your number one pick? Uh, so I had a process in kind of forming my list where I was uh, sort of looking at the Grand Finals as like individual episodes of television and not just like the Grand Final experience. Because in, in Eurovision fandom, like there's talking about the contest in the like six month lead up sense <laughs> uh, where it's just like the contest as a whole. Um, and then talking about the individual performances that make up the grand final. And this is kind of that middle ground that doesn't usually get evaluated the same way. So I wanted to just kind of look at the criteria in a way that would cut across like all 10 that we would be talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so the, what I was looking at was the opening performance, the hosts of the show, the strength of the field, and the interval act uh, that they would have uh, during the voting segment. Uh, and the one that I landed on for my number one that had just had hit all four categories perfectly uh, was 2016 in Stockholm. Yes! Yeah. Yes! <laughs> so happy! I, I take it we agree? <laughs> yes! Oh, God, I'm so happy. Tell me all about 2016. Oh, so... Uh, yeah, Sweden, they 
they take Eurovision very seriously. So, uh, yeah, they they pulled out all the stops in setting up uh, this entire contest. Like the opening number was just this bizarre fashion show that incorporated the Parade of Nations, uh, which was a tradition that they kind of reintroduced uh, when they hosted in 2013. So, uh, yeah, Sweden was uh, really leading the charge and like kind of reinventing Eurovision uh, to kind of where it's at right now. Um, the hosts uh, were Man Zemrilov, uh, who won the 2015 contest, and Petra Mead, uh, who's a television presenter. And they had wonderful chemistry. Uh, they both have great senses of humor. They're both game for trying anything. Um, and Absolutely. yeah, it was just a pleasure to just watch them like as hosts. Uh, the strength of the field, so many of the tracks are still in my regular playlist rotations. And there were some iconic performances that like you can look at and just like no this is how you do stage design this is how you perform a song and really elevate a song just based on how how the staging uh, is happening and then the interval act of love love peace peace is such a great primer on what makes eurovision so weird and fun <laughs> that's still uh, like i was so happy to rewatch it because um i just kept going um and a man on a hamster wheel just for for the whole evening just like at ma- that made when i watched it I, so i i watched it with um this was the first one where i like had my eurovision reboot um i'd been to a party or two um previously and i can't remember which which one i'd been to um might have been anyway it doesn't matter um but yeah, I've been to one a couple of years ago, and then I just decided on a whim, 2016, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch Eurovision, and I picked the best one to sit and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was just wonderful, because it was sort of, they took it seriously, but also they knew exactly how to poke fun at it, and exactly where the, the funny bits are. Um, and, and it was so sharp, and genuinely funny, not like Eurovision Europe funny. It was like, actually funny. <laughs> um, and... And, and really, really well put together. You know, not just that. I mean, the the, the British comedian who came on afterwards was, was a bit of a was a bit of a letdown. But the the yeah the the song was was great. The the lead up up to it with a made up instrument and uh, all that kind of stuff. Just so so good. And um, yeah, uh, the, the the whole production was a lot of fun. And, and obviously, uh, I was watching and, and imbibing along and tweeting along. And you know, everybody's trying to compete to to get the best take on what's happening. Um, but it was yeah. And I think your point of Sweden having reinvented uh, what Eurovision is now, I think I think is is really apt. Actually, I think that that makes a lot of sense because it is it is changing, and the songs are getting genuinely better. Um, and the the stagecraft this year. I mean, we'll, we'll get onto that, but um, yeah. And I, I think uh, um, Sweden has uh, has a lot to um, yeah to answer for <laughs> in that regard. Yeah, and this this was also the first year that I hosted a Eurovision party, and particularly during the Love Love Peace Peace performance, where it's just listing all of these things. It's like, no, that actually happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is all based in facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had the. Uh, the the woman um churning uh butter they mm-hmm. had the man on a hamster wheel um old women baking bread just like it's all it's all there it's all there um i'm trying to think like some some of my other highlights are I've got quite a lot um there's uh, i tell you what um i'm interested in your take on this but we should talk about um good act to watch like obviously cuz cuz for some people you might do a you might have a better sweepstakes uh, or something like that um and 
having rewatched a lot of these, I'm really of the opinion that the the country you always want to bet on is Azerbaijan because they are often like they they they've had some really good showings uh, song wise and um, just looking. I think 2016 they had a decent one, um, but they're like they're they're often sort of one of those countries to watch. Is there is there one that you've sort of got in your head that you think song wise um, you really want to sort of keep a close eye on because they they might be a dark horse. Um, well, in terms of dark horse, I was I was going to say like Ukraine's always a safe bet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like they they they're consistently one of my favorites. Uh, Hungary is another country mm-hmm. that I think usually uh, I I like their selection process. I I think it's very thorough, and that mm. usually leads to very solid entries. And uh, yeah, Serbia is another one. I mean, and they they've won previously, so I think that also gives them a little bit of an advantage. But um. Yeah, like their 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 songs are usually uh, near the top of my list. Okay, good good selection. Okay, so for my my first pick then, or my second pick, um, I'm so happy about 2016. <laughs> um, I've gone for 2011 in Dusseldorf, Germany. Oh, okay. Um, so for us, we had the uh, the the UK had the boy band Blue, um, who uh, took us to number 11, which is not bad for us uh, now. Um. Azerbaijan won it uh, with uh, Running Scared. Um, I I watched this and put this sort of earnestness level at about eight out of ten because it wasn't quite as uh, as as nodding and sort of um, knowing and and you know nudge nudge wink wink as uh, as previous years. Um, the uh, the the present or one of the presenters the the male presenter Stefan uh, performed the previous year's winner uh, which was oh, uh, Lena lady. Lena thank you um, yeah he and he was he's quite the the multi um, multi performer uh, which was um, quite impressive uh, and uh, yeah it was just it was a it was a fun show and I thought there was some um, some some decent um, some decent showings uh, Moldova brought um, some uh, techno rock gnomes. So that's always good. Um, yeah, that is one of my all-time favorite entries. So. Oh, really? Oh, fantastic! Yeah, that was uh, that was that was weird. Uh, Romania had like a proper good old-fashioned standard Eurovision kind of song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia were the people who brought the rock uh, this year. There's always people who who bring the the sort of the the rock tune. Um, so yeah, 2011. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised that 2011 didn't make my top five. Uh, that, that, oh, okay. Yeah, that that was the first contest where I followed it from like the selection process, just the whole, the whole thing. And, um, yeah, so I thought, I thought just like my own sentimentality would have, uh, carried it into, into my top five. Um, yeah, I think one of the challenges with that, uh, particular contest was that all of the favorites ended up getting really kind of bunched up at the beginning of the show. Mm. And then the second half Mm -hmm. of the field was just kind of, um, okay like i i i I think the overall field like a lot of the songs still hold up but yeah it was just kind of missing the secret sauce i guess you could say sure yeah yeah absolutely um i think i I like it when you get a a sort of slightly um sort of switched on country that's like listen listen everyone we know what we're doing here like you know we we know we know what the score is, um, so let's not take this too seriously, and let's enjoy the hell of it. And 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 uh, I think that's why I like Germany's approach. Uh, okay, so what is your pick number two? My number two uh, was 2014's contest in Copenhagen. 
Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually surprised that it didn't end up uh, like I had this whole like scoring system for each of the criteria that I listed. And uh, I was surprised that Copenhagen didn't end up as number one because I, I feel like that's the one that I referenced the most frequently. Like I thought the stage design of the cube was fantastic. Like it's just a gorgeous stage and just uh, the way that everything was a video screen and so many of the acts just used the, the space so beautifully yep this is a great year yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh th- this is another one where so many of the songs are still uh in my playlist and um yeah and and whereas like 2011 had like a very strong sort of beginning and middle uh but then kind of petered out towards the end this one had like a nice build into uh, just the fantastic performances like uh, Netherlands entry from the common Lynettes was uh, fantastic. Yes, it was. Uh, and and that was a year that it seemed like the UK was like really invested in Eurovision or at least like optimistic that they might do OK. <laughs> and mm. um, yeah, and so I like, still have no to- idea who who Molly Smith and Downs is. I don't know who she is. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if she actually did anything after Eurovision, but it, 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 was, it was the UK adopted a new approach. Uh, where yeah. it was just like, uh and seemed to be like really taking it seriously and uh yeah d- didn't end up doing all that great on the scoreboard but i i, I felt it was a move in the correct direction so. <laughs> yeah it was it was more hey should we should we try this year mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i mean this this had so many iconic moments uh and i think this might be a year where uh, like I think this is the first time I'd seen any kind of coverage from the US of Eurovision. So I'm pretty sure um, John uh, Stewart did a piece hmm. uh, about Eurovision because obviously you had you know Conchita Verst, and I, I, I literally wrote in my um, in my notes uh, all the fucking points to Austria for Conchita Verst. Yes, <laughs> um, because just just all the all the points, just brilliant. Um, and and yeah, there were some really good, uh, really really good tunes. Um, uh, Finland had a, a nice one. Um, the Maltese one uh, entry was nice if you like a sort of Mumford and Sons type thing, but it didn't do very well. Right. Um, Denmark's one was that. It's, it's interesting because Denmark had a really sort of well, they had a really cliched love song called "Cliche Love Song," which was a bit on the nose. Um, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, did they not kind of. I might be getting, uh, yeah, no, I think I think Denmark actually kind of revisited the same idea in 2019. Um, but it was, and you, we had a man on a hamster wheel um, and the woman churning butter or whatever it was. So like, this is, it's a great year and I should have made it my number two. Yeah. <laughs> um, as it as it happened, uh, that was my number three. So we are doing really well for, uh, for matching up here. This nice. is very good. Um, okay, so actually my next pick is 2019. Um, so... Uh, this was uh, Tel Aviv, and uh, like is- Israel's really good at TV. Um, this this is the the thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of formats, TV formats that we've we've brought over, uh, and the US has brought over from from Israel because they, mm. they they know TV. They're in Eurovision because their broadcasting company pay money to um, to the commission uh, or you know the the organization committee thing, um, and that's that's how they're in. Um, it was. I wasn't. I wouldn't say understated, but the the intro was there was a humility to it, which I didn't expect. Um, there was a kind of welcoming thing with, and it, it seemed very focused on 
uh, ordinary people rather than it be a big sort of fashion show or whatever. You know, the, the way they were welcoming people in, you know, welcoming this fictional plane carrying all the Eurovision contestants mm-hmm. um, flown by Netta um, in, into the... Uh, down the runway and you've just got these people lining the streets and letting off uh lanterns and things it just there, there was something kind of warm and uh and, and yeah and had a sort of touch of humility about it which uh, i i quite liked um germany did not do well we did not do well um uh, but there was there was some good stuff um we had like staging wise this was a real year where like so sweden did some in- interesting staging uh, and have them for a couple of years but Israel, just in general, I, I, you probably know actually how how it pans out, but I imagine each each country brings their own budget and and figures out their own staging and stuff. Um, but a lot of countries really seem to make that much more of a fixture, and not just the backdrop, but actually how they were performing the the songs and who they brought on stage and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it, very very much a, a big deal uh, that year. Um, Russia went for a weird sort of Hall of Mirrors thing. Uh, it was Denmark again who went for the really super twee song uh, with with a lady sat on a um, a workman's bench or something, um, uh, it, which was which was nice. Um, some new entries, I think, or countries that I haven't seen certainly haven't seen in Eurovision for a while. Um, but yeah, I thought it was uh, a good year, and the UK song was boring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my God. And Iceland was terrifying. Oh, Iceland was my favourite. Uh. Oh my God. I was genuinely disturbed by that. Um, That was, yeah, the distorted, like, it, it sounded like something that a ring wraith was chanting. It was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And... With 2019, I, I think part of it might be it's still a little too fresh, so it's hard to get that kind of, like, perspective uh that distance sometimes offers but uh yeah i thought iceland's performance was a little overproduced but Mm. still within the brand that they had established Mm -hmm. from the get-go like uh my my, uh, podcast co-host and i are huge iceland fans from uh this year and uh yeah, I'm I'm disappointed that they uh only finished in tenth. Like I I was hoping that they would have been a dark horse and ac- actually taken the whole thing. Um, but yeah, like this year it was, I don't know. Like I I agree that the opening uh segment was really nice and like kind of kind of a change of pace in a way. Mm. Uh, where it was just like it was really kind of just celebrating everybody instead of just being like here is the representative of this country it's like oh no this is this is like a person or a group and uh acknowledging them but um yeah this year's show was just way too long like Mm. (laughs) yeah like it it kind of felt like a uh oscar ceremony where it's just like uh i really need to go to work tomorrow can can we wrap this up yeah and like i i didn't think I, I'm curious how these songs are going to hold up a couple of years from now. I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of, um, I don't know, memorable. No, I don't songs think there's any classics. From, yeah, yeah. And no, I think you're right. Yeah, like like Norway's entry was the one that won the public vote, and that was one of the most Eurovisioniest songs that 
uh, I've encountered in quite a while. So <laughs> yeah, um, I liked the. So I'm a little in love with Mons uh, from Sweden, um, the uh, the the singer uh, because he uh, he came and did a bit again. I quite like the sort of relay bit that they did. Again, like it didn't feel like there was tons of money on show. So what they did is go for a bit of kind of charm. Um, and and you know tried to do something uh, a, a bit different so they did that thing where each person was on stage singing someone else's show uh, singing someone else's song in a kind of relay thing and that was cute and and i i quite enjoyed that yeah that that was really enjoyable particularly uh eleni uh doing uh verkus their uh dancing lasha tumbai and just been, yes. oh wow this is just combining all of the delightfulness from the last 15 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and Madonna performed and I fast forwarded that. So, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, unfortunately, uh, I had to watch that live and it was um, a challenge. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just not great vocals and then just being controversial for the sake of being controversial. It was just, it was a lot and just making a long show even longer. <laughs> indeed uh okay so um what is your number three uh my number three uh was the 2012 contest in uh baku azerbaijan oh lovely yeah uh this one uh i didn't have much recollect uh, recollection of like the opening performance or the interval performance because they brought in uh like a bunch of traditional dancers but uh th- those those were clips that i did look up again in preparation for this episode it's like oh these were really cool performances and just from like a i don't know cultural studies museum field trip perspective <laughs> it's like oh mm-hmm. this, this is pretty neat um and yeah like this was one where the field so many of those songs still hold up so many of the performances still hold up that's where you have the uh singing grannies you have mm-hmm. uh, euphoria which is consistently a fan favorite um and yeah even even the songs that finish towards the bottom of the scoreboard like it's like no these are these are still jams and they still hold up pretty well and yeah and i thought the the hosts were uh they were very clunky but i felt like that was part of the point like they were delightfully clunky and kind of calling out their own clunkiness Mm. uh in in the hosting where it's like oh and now is the part where we are going to speak in french and it's like all right (laughs) i i I appreciated the sense of humor uh that was brought to the contest yeah yeah i yeah i i i never watched this one live so i i sort of um i skipped through because i had a lot to uh, i had a lot of revision to do Mm -hmm. uh, in a short space of time so i i skipped through a fair bit and mainly sort of concentrated on um on the songs but uh yeah did did catch a, a few bits of the uh the presentation and yeah, yeah. Um, that was the year that we, for some reason, sent Eng- Engelbert Humperdinck um, to represent us. Uh, hmm. I do remember um, Euphoria being uh, a very, very catchy, very enjoyable song. Um, yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was a good, uh, a good year. Je- uh, a return uh, for Jedward um, it, uh, for Ireland. Yeah, you, you, you've been blessedly, I think. Um, you haven't been, you've been spared most of the history around Jedward, uh, I would think. And so, uh, for that, I envy you. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I do do my research and, yeah, uh, I'm yeah, sure like, you did. I, I, I was familiar <laughs> with their stint on, uh, X Factor and, um, I don't know, sort of the aftermath of that, where it's just like Louis Walsh always, uh, just picking the more, um, 
I don't know, television friendly acts, you might say, <laughs> whether or not they're uh, music friendly. Uh, but I enjoyed both of their appearances because uh, they were in 2011 and 2012. And I thought that they were uh, delightful both times. And uh, yeah, they just kind of they're not really part of American pop culture, but they do pop up every now and then. I think they were in one of the Sharknado movies, uh, <laughs> like either last year or the year before. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Okay. Oh, bless them. Um, yeah. no. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, so 2012 then. Right. So my uh, my last pick of my five, because we've we've had so many in common, is, um, is 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was my next pick as well. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, which is um, Oslo. And uh, yeah, our uh, so the, the winner there was was uh, Satellite um, by by Lena, which uh, we talked about earlier. Um, we came last again. Uh, it was uh, reasonably um, earnest, I think. I, I gave it an earnestness level of seven out of ten uh, for this one uh, because we were still in that sort of transitionary period where we yeah, uh, Spain had a stage invasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so they uh, they got to perform uh, again. Um, obviously, didn't didn't make a difference. Um, Turkey were the people who who rocked out uh, that particular year, um, and uh, we we had a fun sort of bit of staging with Romania. Two people sat across um, a giant see through double piano, uh, which was which was quite impressive. Um, and there's always uh, I, I started noting this down, but I, I couldn't find that many good examples, but. Often there is a when I was a little girl or when I was a little song uh, when I was a little boy song mm-hmm. you know mum uh, mum sat me down on her knee and she told me the secrets of the world uh, and uh, it was Armenia who who went for that one um, that year uh, Azerbaijan had a nice song it was a nice year yeah I mean I think this this one ended up getting like most of my sentimentality because uh, it was the first contest where it's like oh like I should actually check out this thing and uh, see what it's like and just fell in love with it and yeah i thought i thought the hosts were also kind of that delight had that delightful clunkiness about them um like they just seemed very stiff but still just like oh i i I can be charming uh Mm. uh, even if i'm very uncomfortable with what i'm doing right now but yeah like I, i think a lot of the songs were fantastic and still hold up quite well um at, at my uh, day job uh, on Fridays, we do a sort of community playlist on Spotify where there's just a different theme. And uh, one week I uh, use Belgium's entry as a theme. I usually try to uh, add some Eurovision flair uh, secretly and see if any, if anybody has caught on yet. I and, like it. <laughs> um, yeah. And I use Belgium's entry one week and one of my coworkers messaged me. She's like, I really like the song you picked this week. And it's like, oh, good. I like it, too. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just like there was a lot of impressive staging like Romania is one that uh, definitely stands out in that uh, Turkey uh, was another one that uh, like was that the one that had the grinder girl with the, the sparks flying or I oh no, she, I remember that, but I don't know if it was 2010. I definitely remember having seen that. Yeah, that might that might have been their entry the following year because they kind of were just yeah. like, oh, we'll we'll try to do rock again, and that that didn't really work out for them. But um, yeah, it was just fascinating to see like how the staging would work, and um, yeah, and and some of these songs do kind of pop up in the most random places. Like I was at a, a, a Greek restaurant a couple months back, and the Greek entry from that year was just playing over the the PA system. It's like, oh, huh, that's random cool so 
so what is your um, what's your number five then? Uh, so my number five is the 2013 contest from uh, Malmo, Sweden. Oh, lovely. Yep. Good pick. Yeah. And I was actually kind of surprised that this ended up in my top five because, mm. uh, yeah, like if you had asked me without me doing like my criteria breakdown, I would have been like, oh, yeah, 2013, maybe tied with 2015 is my least favorite. <laughs> and, right. Um, yeah, but I think what happened with this one, uh, which is something that happens at Eurovision, where it's just like you don't need to be the top, uh, the, like everybody's favorite. If you just get a lot of sixes, sevens and eights, you'll just sneak right up there into the top five. And I think that's what happened here, where everything was just kind of kind of average. Um, like the opening brought back the uh, well, uh, introduced the concept of the Parade of Nations, uh, which I think is a nice touch and just really kind of celebrates the artists. Mm-hmm. Um, at the contest, uh, Petra Mead was uh, kind of solo hosting this one, and uh, which is an incredible feat. Like they, uh, they're now up to like four hosts, uh, which I think is too many. <laughs> uh, but yes. yeah, just the idea of one person trying to do this job is, uh, yeah, and and she held her own the entire time. I, I was really impressed with that, and I think it was a strong field, even though a lot of the songs are ones that I personally do not respond to so <laughs> yeah the um finland finland was like france france opened with a kind of intimidating number mm-hmm. finland had um i i got a, a real like crazy ex-girlfriend vibe mm-hmm. um from that particular song um russia went for um i don't know if it's uh yeah well they they went for the, for a, a world unity song which i always find interesting um because mm-hmm. russia quite like to do that a lot i think they just they come to eurovision and they're sort of like sorry about sort of being russia but here's a song about world unity yeah <laughs> <laughs> but they do it so well it's it's yeah, kind of yeah. frustrating <laughs> yes yeah absolutely um and uh, yeah, um, Germany basically tried to, um, I think, replicate uh, Sweden's winning track from mm-hmm. the previous year. Um, we had uh, Romania um, brought a Dracula dressing um, falsetto singer with a dubstep uh, backing track. There was so much dubstep that year. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, Azerbaijan like br- brought it again. I thought um, this time with uh, some some cool staging with the the man in a glass box sort of miming um, what the singer was doing uh, the choreography wise. The song was all right, uh, but I really liked the staging for that one. Yeah, that 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 was my favorite performance of that year. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, and uh, the uh, the Ukrainian entrant was carried on by a chubby Viking. So um, very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, nice, nice, nice pick. Um, yeah, the Swedes, sweet, they they know what's happening. They know what's going on. Um, well, I've exhausted my main list. Um, so I had, uh, so you, ha- in fact, your 2012 and 2013 were my next picks. Mm. Uh, so you did not enjoy 2015, am I right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, 2015. And I think part of that also might have just been I had a lot of stuff in like my personal life going on at that point. So it's just like, ugh, yeah, it's just like I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I can't remember if um, I ever watched 2015, uh, if that was the one where uh, I was distracted by being at a party. Um but there was there was some some all right stuff. Um, we went the, the UK went for a sort of uh, electro swing thing, if I remember rightly, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of didn't didn't 
go down that well. And I thought, yes, actually, it's a decent number. But then no one votes for the UK anymore. So, I mean, we can't we can't blame them since Brexit. Um, so are there any other sort of um, honourable mentions that you um, you want to bring out? Because we, we've nearly done the entire decade. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we've pretty much covered it. I mean, like yeah. 2017, I was uh, surprised at how low that one fell for yes. me because uh, that one... Uh, like just in terms of sentimentality, that's uh, like my husband and I, that was our honeymoon. So, oh, okay, nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, but it was just, the field was okay. Uh, Ukraine, like lovely place to visit, but man, just like from an organizational standpoint, it was uh, just hoping, like everybody's fingers were crossed <laughs> that like, the Swedes <laughs> that they parachuted in were going to be able to save the contest. <laughs> so, <laughs> The presenters were a bit. Mm, I didn't like the presenters. I thought they were a little bit. Um, uh, might have issues of consent with women. Let's say I got that vibe. I I, I could see that. Yeah. 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 It was. It was just kind of like they got, they got the just like oh yeah I'll just try to wing it uh, mm-hmm. kind yeah. of vibe and it's just like oh no like there's actually like rehearsals and a lot of planning that goes into this. And it's like ah oh, now we'll figure it out as we go along. Be like yeah it will be fine okay. probably. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, so, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I this was a pretty solid decade, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really nice one, especially as uh, as we're at the end. Um, we get to uh, we get to look back and judge it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will we will build our final list in a bit, but I think I I don't think that there's going to be um too much shuffling around here. I might just adopt your list. Um. But before before we get onto that, what are your? And I'm going to sort of put you on the spot here, but this is probably something you've talked about. What are your ingredients for? Like, what makes a good Eurovision show? Oh goodness, um, I think part of like it, it's not just the staging of things. Like, I mean, there are just so many ingredients. I think it, it's a matter of knowing your sense of humor about about eurovision like i I think if uh part of the reason why 2015 is like my least favorite year was that austria was hosting that year and it didn't seem like they had much of a sense of humor about what was Mm. going on and it was just like taking the contest a little too seriously Mm -hmm. and i think that also contributed to there being a lot of dour ballads Mm. in, in that year's field like it was it was a lot and it was just like it wasn't fun it was just missing the kind of frothiness that i think makes eurovision like particularly enjoyable um i think you do need to have a little bit of controversy playing in the background um mm. yeah like like 2016 2014 like that's uh, like you had the ukraine russia conflict like both literal conflict and also just kind of like their sort of sports rivalry going on as well but you have to like that has to also be kind of tempered whereas like this year like the contest being held in israel like that there's there's a lot of baggage there so it's uh yeah it's like you need just enough of like all of the elements but not too much otherwise it's just going to tip the scale like it it is a very delicate balance to having a really good show (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. It's it's got to be a finely spiced dish mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, too much of one ingredient and the whole thing's just like, oh no, no, thank you. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was I was just going to say that it's just like it, it's also a, a matter of like what's happening in pop music at that time. Like the like in 2013, it was like, all right, we're going to have dubstep in everything. It was like, mm, okay, sure, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's just like if if dubstep were still popular today, perhaps 2013 would be my favorite contest, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it uh, isn't. That, so no, <laughs> no, no. So sorry, dubstep. Uh, <laughs> are you uh, are you aware of um, the Irish TV program Father Ted? Yes, we uh, we actually did an episode about that on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, so obviously, um, my lovely horse, uh, written by Neil Hannon of, of Divine Comedy, is. Um, it's it's one of the first things I think about when I think about Eurovision. It's 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 and it speaks of that type of Eurovision that I think doesn't really exist anymore. That sort of seventies, eighties, nineties, um, sort of glitzy, uh, shiny waistcoats and um, uh, yeah, and, and just very sweet, uh, benign ballads. Which you know we're, we're getting, we we still have a few, but I think they're they're more rare. And and it was such a lovely take on that whole thing, and and the fact that Ireland did used to actually do very well at Eurovision mm-hmm. for quite a while. Yeah, I think I think the year that that episode came out, they actually won. So. <laughs> <laughs> So there's 45 minutes of Eurovision goodness for you. Um, there's a little bit more to, to come. Obviously, we've got to build our final list. Um, but as you probably guessed, it was kind of an easy list for us to combine, really, because we were um, we really were in um, simpatico, I think. We were we were simpatico. Uh, and we also agreed. And uh, so, yes, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that uh, towards the end. Um, but a couple of bits of housekeeping first. If you like the show and um, want to f- get more stuff out of the show, because there is more stuff available, uh, there's links to things that you might enjoy. Um, I mean, uh, the, the newsletter for, for this uh, episode, which will come out next Sunday, is uh, is going to be uh, a hoot. Uh, lots of, uh, of good things for you to check out on YouTube and stuff. So um, the easiest thing to do is uh, take a look at your phone. Now, um, I don't mention this, but... Uh, Every episode comes with rather extensive episode notes um, with links to stuff, uh, so, you know, everything we talk about. There's links there. There's descriptions of, of what we've talked about. Um, the only thing I don't put on there in, in our episode notes is the final list because, you know, got to leave something uh, to suspense, got to give you some kind of reason to listen. Um, but if you're ever curious and you, and you want a jumping off point, um, take a look at your phone because uh, there's a bit on your phone that will show you uh, the episode notes and, and it has... Um, it's often a rich vein. And from there, you will be able to get to our newsletter, which I highly recommend that you do, uh, because you get even more stuff. As I said, uh, every Sunday, there's uh, an issue out that gives you more. And if you're not uh, a person who subscribes to the podcast, uh, this will give you a reminder and just let you know, oh, that might be an episode I'll want to check out. So um, check your uh, sh- uh, ch- check your phone, check yourself uh, before you wreck yourself, and also go to listenvpod.com, where you'll also find a link to the newsletter. And that will do it for now. Um, thank you, everyone who, uh, who's who been contributing to our um, pod fan uh, membership. Uh, more details of that uh, on, on the website and stuff. So um, let's get straight back into the episode then. This is uh, wrapping up with uh, with myself and Mike McComb, um, talking about his, uh, his podcast, the Euro What podcast, or the Euro What podcast. It's all in the intonation. 
Uh, so uh, my uh, co-host Ben Smith and I, uh, we are a pair of Americans just trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, we've both been following the contest for uh, over a decade now. And uh, yeah, originally we were blogging uh, about Eurovision and then decided, oh, this is an audio thing, so we should probably be doing a podcast. And uh, yeah, during the selection season, so kind of end of December, beginning of January, through uh, the contest in May, we're just kind of doing weekly reports on uh, what's happening in the world of Eurovision. So selection shows, uh, selection announcements, uh, researching the artists. Um, and uh, since we're in the United States, we do have an advantage on Saturdays to uh, watch these shows that are streaming online. Like they're, they're pretty much publicly available, uh, but they're at Saturday afternoon. So we're folding laundry as we're watching uh <laughs> like how Hungary's doing and how Sweden's doing. And um yeah, we we talk about that. We uh bring on guests uh to discuss uh the slate of entries uh and just really trying to spread the gospel of Eurovision, you might say. Mm. Um and then in the off season, uh, which we're currently in. So like from May uh, through the end of the year, uh, we try to dig into uh, topics that were that came up uh, during the con uh, during the contest year. Like the there was the flag incident at this year's uh, Eurovision where uh, Iceland's representatives uh, waved Palestinian flags uh, during the scoring portion, uh, which is a no-no in Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we uh, just did an episode on how uh, flags have been kind of the source of controversy at a number mm. of different contests, um, which was a lot of fun to research. So we're able to do uh, history stuff. Also check in on any of the organizational things that are happening, uh, like when the host city uh, was announced uh, for next year's contest. Um and other uh, historical or uh, cultural aspects of it. So just really trying to take a holistic view about it, because since we aren't raised with like Eurovision in our culture, the, the way it may be in uh, European countries, I, 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 I doubt it's in your history books. I, I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, since we don't have that history that cultural context right uh it gives us a lot to work with where it's like uh, uh like we did a episode earlier this summer where we uh talked about the 1979 contest because it seemed interesting it kept getting recommended in ben's uh youtube stream it's like oh yeah why don't we just watch this and see what it's like and it's like sure so that was that was fun that's so. fantastic right well this I'll be interested. So I've I've gone I've gone ahead and um, built what I uh, propose could be our our final combined list. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to see what you what you think about this because uh, I think usually I I, I do this before we uh, we sort of do plugs and things, but I thought this this might be a very quick one. Um, I've gone in in um, reverse order: 2011, 2012, 2010, 2014, and 2016. Is there anything there that you think? For, obviously, that's from five to one. Is there anything there that you that you think we should change? I think I agree with that list. Yes. Yeah, I think it, I think it matches up with what I thought my list was going to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, originally. So. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah, that's that's great. So, um, well, I, I usually ask my guest if if you consent to this list, but I think um, I think I think our job is done. So uh, so that's wonderful. Excellent. Mike, this has been an absolute pleasure, and I think you've reignited um, 
even more uh, my, my love for Eurovision in perhaps the off season, which is something I've not really considered. So thank you for that. Ah, excellent. I'm, do- I'm doing my job. So- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, where should uh, where should uh, people point their ears and and eyeballs to uh, to your work? Uh, so you can find the Eurowhat at our website uh, eurowhat.com. That's e u r o w h a t. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Eurowhat. And we have uh, during the off season, our episodes drop every other Tuesday. And then once we get into the regular season, which will probably be uh, beginning of January, uh, we'll be dropping weekly on Tuesday. Days. Oh, that's exciting! I uh, I'm subscribed. I can't wait because that will that will definitely help uh, kick some of the uh, the the January blues. So uh, yes, excellent. Recommended, um, Mike. Thank you so much um, for uh, for being a part of List Envy this week. Oh, thank you for having me. This was a blast. And uh, love, love, peace, peace. Exactly. <laughs>